HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Eating Tools, unique handmade eating and cooking tools. For more information, visit eatingtools.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. Today is a show about people, life, and food. Please take a moment to like this show on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts, and please reach out if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com, and you can follow me on social media at thefoodballer. Today's episode number 60 of Feast Your Ears. This interview was recorded January 21st, 2017 at the Good Food Mercantile at the Fort Mason Center in San Francisco, California. I had the great pleasure of interviewing my friend and colleague Richard Tarlov. Uh, Richard and his wife Janet own Canyon Market, which is in the Glen Park neighborhood of San Francisco. They've been in business for 10 years there and are the neighborhood grocery. With a full-service grocery and on-site bakery uh, and pretty much everything you need to make delicious meals at home, we should all be so lucky to have a store like theirs around the corner. Enjoy. All right. We are back here live at the Good Food Mercantile in San Francisco, and we're going to turn it over now to one of our hosts, Harry Rosenblum, host of Feast Your Ears. He's got a special live on-site edition of Feast Your Ears coming up right now. So, uh, Harry, it's all yours. All right, let's, uh, let's give this a go. Um, I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, and thank you for listening live to the Good Food Mercantile. Uh, it is a trade show based out of the Good Food Foundation and the Good Food Awards ceremony, which was last night, uh, the seventh annual Good Food Awards, which is fairly, it's, it's very exciting. Um, it is a group and a foundation that is really celebrating the work of hundreds of food crafters uh, from across the nation who are all working with food in a, in a, on a good level. Um, there are a lot of things that, that sort of go into that, and all of the, the winners and all the presenters are vetted for their processes and for their ingredients, um, but the word good kind of describes all of that. 
I'm pleased to welcome uh, a friend and colleague, Richard Tarlov, uh, today to join me for this special live edition of Feast Your Ears from the, from the show. Thank you, Richard, for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, Richard and his wife, Janet, own Canyon Market in the Glen Park neighborhood of San Francisco uh, and have just had their 10th anniversary, same as the Brooklyn Kitchen. Congratulations. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Did you think 10 years ago uh, that you would be, uh, when you started it, that you would be sitting here and like looking back at what, you've, what it's been over 10 years? Or would... I really did not have any imagery in my mind of like looking back. I, I just was like, let's get this thing off the ground. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You've, by the time you get to opening something like a store uh, or like a business or like anything, really, you're just like, you're you're bleeding money and time and you haven't slept and it's just like you got to get it open, right? Yeah, it just has been a blur. Uh, We knew we would succeed. We just didn't know what it would look like when we did and what we'd be thinking about, you know, 10 years later. Uh, But it's a good feeling. So tell me a little bit about Canyon Market. If you uh, meet someone in another city and you say, you know, I run Canyon Market, how do you describe Canyon Market and what you do? Yeah, so I I kind of gauge who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to a food-savvy person or another retailer or people in our industry, then I know that they understand the many, many gradations of retail and I describe us as a natural foods and specialty foods retailer. Uh, Telling somebody in the industry that you're a natural foods retailer has quite a bit of meaning. But if I'm talking to somebody like one of my sisters or (laughs) someone who's just not into this field, I say, well, you know, it's sort of like a miniature Whole Foods. But I don't use the the term Whole Foods when I'm talking to people in our industry. Right. Um, but it, it, we have a full-service grocery with a lot of prepared foods, an in-house organic bakery, and it's a bigger store than your typical specialty shop. And so we are a grocery for our neighborhood. We are the full-service grocer of Glen Park. And so we sort of have an obligation, we feel, to offer a wide range of products. But they are all natural. Most of them are organic and more and more and more of our in-house production in our kitchen is organic and all natural. I definitely recommend uh, anyone who's listening, if you're traveling to San Francisco and you are in the grocery industry, or even if you're not, um, it is a, it's, a, it's a great store. I would definitely recommend you go and check it out. I mean, they have a full-service butcher counter. They have a full-service fish counter. They have produce in California, unlike in New York, where we at Heritage Radio are based. You can buy booze in the grocery store. They have booze. They have wine. They have beer. Um, in New York, we have to have a separate liquor store for our, for our wine and our booze purchasing, so we can't do some of this kind of exciting comparisons or cross-merchandising, I think, that you guys are yeah, really able to do. Exactly. Um, great cheese counter, great prepared foods. And I think the, the bakery I'm interested in, because I think that is something that, uh, you know, I, I know tangentially, I'm not in the bakery uh, business, but it's a really hard business, turning flour and water into products. <laughs> it's a totally different business. Um, we, my wife and I, have been working in the specialty food industry and the natural food industry for our whole careers. And we didn't design the store to have a bakery in it, but One of my business partners, Josh Allen, owns Companion Baking Company in St. Louis, Missouri. And uh, he's a good friend. And uh, he had developed a bakery concept in a small footprint. And 
he said, you guys could totally do a bakery here. And I love bread. I love baking. I just don't know anything about it. He said, I, I'll teach you how to do it. And we found a baker and we built a bakery. But what I learned quickly thereafter is that it's an entirely different thing. Different personalities, different workflow. And we had to adapt to that, and it took a while to get it to work. Now it's humming along. We've got several bread bakers who are just amazing. They work in the middle of the night. Right. They're weird people, but they're yeah. lovely people. <laughs> and uh, we make all of our own organic bread for retail, for our sandwiches. Um, we do baked goods, which is a, a different team of people, scones and cakes and pies and stuff also for the store. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's incredible, and there really is a difference, and I think it's hard to express that, uh, certainly over the radio, I think it's hard to express that in conversation. But as a consumer, I hope that people uh, understand that when you, when you get a bread that hasn't left the building where it was produced... It's real different. The quality is so much higher, so yeah. much higher. Yeah, I'd say it's become one of our signature things. There's many people in our neighborhood who have come to expect that as just, and they appreciate it. They tell us how much they appreciate it. But they now are so spoiled that they, if their baguettes are sold out, you know, they're utterly crushed. And uh, so we, we can't produce enough bread right now. We're out of space. There's some real sort of logistical constraints to bread baking, unlike some other things. You can't just drop some more pasta in a, bo- in a pot of boiling water and make more. You, it takes a long time, and so we're kind of looking for more space to, to grow the bread bakery. We might even do wholesale at some point. But yes, having a fresh baguette, unbelievable. Fresh, multi-grain bread for sandwiches, incredible. So you, uh, Richard, grew up in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago, uh, and that is my hometown. But I moved there when I was six, and I spent the earlier years in the East Coast where most of, well, all of my family originated. So my mother grew up in the Bronx. My dad is from Norwalk, Connecticut. I was born in Philadelphia, lived in Boston until I was six, and then grew up in Chicago. But a lot of our roots are in uh, the New York area. And uh, my grandparents owned and ran a restaurant for 40 years in Norwalk, Connecticut. Oh. In South Norwalk. Got it. And, uh, so food is in, food, the food business is in your blood. There's literally. a little bit. Of, they had three sons, none of whom went into the food business. Uh, <laughs> my dad became an academic physician. My uncle was a, a car salesman. And, uh, you know, so they didn't want to do that. But... A lot of the times, these things skip generations. Sure, And sure. so uh, I got the food bug early on. So what about your two sons? Do you think that, uh, do they, do they, they're teenagers now, so do you see them following into the food industry, or do you think it will skip another generation? I do not see them following it at all, <laughs> but I'm hoping that's a sign that they will discover it later on. Right. Um, but, you know, I don't know. There, there's a lot of different aspects to the food industry. They hear about the challenges of retail, they hear about managing people, they hear about dealing with city government and regulations, and they also hear about the the food system and food justice and issues that we are trying to bring into our business and deal with in a kind of very ground-level way every day. And hopefully those are the things that will 
inspire them when they get into college and start thinking about these things as people in their late teens and 20s start to do. Yeah, absolutely. Inspired by the finely crafted tools built at the hands of friends in and around custom knife making and with a love of all things food, Abe Shaw began forging a collection of culinary tools unlike any other. Collecting and working with custom and handmade knives for over a decade, Abe has developed a deep respect and admiration for the artists, metalsmiths, woodworkers, and craftspeople behind the endless interpretations of these ancient tools that feed us, the most intimate tools in our lives. They needed a showcase, and Eating Tools was born. The curated collection of unique and extraordinary handmade culinary utensils you'll find here, along with a hand-picked selection of top-quality production-made pieces, represents a catalog of products never before assembled in one place. Many of these products can only be found at Eating Tools. Food, cooking, craftsmanship, and art are their ingredients. There's no substitute for having the right tool for the job, and Eating Tools promises to bring you just that. They think you'll agree that the food-loving visionaries behind each of their products has an eye for the tools we use every day. For more information, visit eatingtools.com. So uh, I'd like to turn the conversation now towards, uh, towards the event uh, where we are currently sitting um, and also towards the Good Food Awards kind of as a, as a symbol for, I think, uh, the potential future of, of food and sort of um, doing good in the world with that. So um, you are part of the original founders of the Good Food Retailers Collaborative, um, along, with, uh, along with Sam McGannum from Byright, um, you know, us at the Brooklyn Kitchen, a couple of other, other retailers. Um, and last night, you know, the award ceremony, I found it really inspiring. It was, it was great. Um, last night was the best yet. Um, I thought the speakers were fabulous. Uh, I, what I get out of this is kind of a, a resurgence of enthusiasm about food. When I was a young person uh, working on a farm after college and discovering like the amazing taste of a fresh vine-ripened tomato and learning how to cook with people who were master chefs. I lived in Paris for a little while during my 20s. Um, I was just so excited about how cool food could be, how serious you could take it. And then I got into the business and I started managing and various things over the years. And now... Um, I'm so deep into it, managing a growing company, that sometimes I just forget why I even got into it. And I go to these good food events, and I hear someone like Winona LaDuke talk about the land and how we have to keep product and crops to in their original state. We have to get back to that stuff and, and not let companies govern our genetics I just feel like I'm 21 years old again and I'm so excited about that and I realize yeah that's kind of what we're doing I mean we're in our in our little way in our store we are representing organic growers we're representing small fishermen and uh it, it's just a big shot in the arm, this whole good food stuff. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then, you know, I, it's always inspiring to, to hear those, to hear the speeches from the winners, um, and then just to talk with our fellow retailers. I mean, it, you know, it's great to, to sit down and to hear uh, Danielle Vogel talk. And, you know, I mean, she started her grocery business with a very clear mission to, to affect climate change 
through the grocery Which business. Which I find so amazing. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe that she is uh, going to be doing an interview later today on Heritage. Is that true, David, or has it already happened? That's true. It's happening later today. Great. Everybody 3 p.m. Tune in. Everyone should tune in at 3 o'clock. Um, you know, and, and that, that we really, we are in a position that while... You know, we do get, and I suffer from the same thing, you know, overwhelmed with the day-to-day. And somebody is late, and they, you know, miss their shift, or, you know, the toilet is broken. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard sometimes to remember that we are in a position of celebrating all of these people, um, and and that there's a lot, you know, there's a lot more work to do, certainly. Um, I, I found it very inspiring that Ron Finley um, ended up on the stage last night. And for those of you who don't know Ron... Um, uh, he's the gangster gardener in South Central L.A. who changed the law in the city of L.A. to use a little, what, what I guess in L.A. I came to understand they call the parkway, which is this little piece of grass that exists between the sidewalk and the street that's owned by the city but exists on you know hundreds of blocks, thousands of blocks in L.A. And he planted the garden huh. and then got arrested for it. And the city said, you're not allowed to do that. And he said, well, you know. Why not? You know, it's full of trash. Right. <laughs> I can't make food there. Yeah. And, you know, he, he currently, Rules. for anyone who's listening, um, they are in danger of losing uh, the space they've been operating out of, um, his, his headquarters for the work that he does in L.A. So you can look, if you look up, um, I believe it's the Ron Finley Project. Um, you can find it online. There's a GoFundMe page. Um, but the, the building they were operating in as a headquarters um, was uh, in default and was bought at foreclosure by a developer. Oh, wow. So they're trying to get... They didn't own the space. They were renting it. Um, so if anybody, you know, wants to wants to sort of help that. But, you know, these are inspiring stories of ways that food are, is really able to change people's lives. Um, and I think that we, we are all contributing to that, I hope. Yeah, he, he was talking about how you teach a little kid to take a little teeny, weeny, weeny, weeny seed and you stick it in the ground... And a little while later, you've got this gigantic gourd, or you've got a huge sweet potato, or, and that is magic. That is just incredible enlightenment to a child, or actually, frankly, anybody yeah, who's never absolutely. done that. That's what he's doing, and that's what it takes to connect people to the soil, which, like Winona was saying, it's, it's all about the soil. We've, we've ruined a lot of it and we have to keep the soil that's what makes organic farming possible that's what makes biodynamics possible and so it's staying in touch with the dirt yeah what uh what what products have you seen today at the show that are that you're excited by well actually i just was tasting these uh indonesian sambals um from a woman who makes them right here in san francisco she's uh a what they call a graduate of uh, La Cocina, which is one of uh, the food incubators that's become uh, fairly well known around the country. And she started making her native Indonesian salsas, basically, but they're sambals. And I actually lived for three months in a remote part of Indonesia. And when I told her that I had been in the jungle of Sulawesi, she couldn't believe it. This is a long time ago, right after college, I was on a scientific expedition with a group, and and uh, I have been trying to find hot sambal like I had ah. in a little village there ever since, and I think I just found it. That's great. Uh, this stuff is amazing. burning my mouth. 
<laughs> but it's great. I mean, you don't you don't eat it plain. You sure. mix it with stuff. But sure. but that was one thing. And she, it was funny because she's not a good food awards uh, uh, product submitter. She doesn't even really know how she got here. <laughs> she was invited because someone told someone about you know La Cucina has an Indonesian person. Right. Um, but now she's learning about Good Food Awards. She's going to submit her products. Next I mean, that's year. one of the great things about about this uh, about this event that we you know we're we're at a trade show where the opportunity exists for that. It's not just about what's the hot new thing to put on popcorn or are we infusing you know whipped cream with booze, whatever exactly. the, the the food trend thing is. And 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 those of you listening, those were in fact trends in years past that I've seen in the food industry. Um, but we are in a in a position where we can really come together and celebrate the fact that there are grand food traditions all over this country and all over this world, and those things you know can and should be celebrated and represented. Yeah, there is not a new flavored puffed thing in this whole <laughs> pavilion. I am so glad to say, uh, if you're going to start a food company from scratch. It's not going to be with some giant expeller machine to create some sort of, quote, natural puffed chip or squiggle. Um, you know, yeah. it's going to be from real fruit or from fresh fish or nut butter or nuts or whatever. And that's what this stuff is. It's just incredibly good food. Yeah. And, and likely from your own personal history one way or another... And there are people who are creating brand new things every day. I mean, you know, the, the folks down there, at, I mean, Blackberry Farm, they do so many incredible things in Tennessee. I feel like they have, like, the widest catalog, and they have very little of it represented here, in fact. They're, they're missing a lot of products, but they are a USDA-inspected charcuterie factory. They have a brewery. They're a pickle maker. Uh, they have a, you know, they have a, a housewares line. They're, have, you know, making textiles. I mean, it's just, in, you know, it's incredible to me, but all of it, you know, sort of with the same, the same goal and the same understanding for quality. I, know, and, I don't know how they do it. I always kind of think... Is this some kind of skunkworks project, Unilever or something? Because how could any small farm producer do all these things? I mean, they do have some some good uh, backing and stuff like that, but of they course, do a great course. job. Yeah. they do an amazing job. Yeah, um, and then it, I, you know, one of the things that I really love about it now that this event has been going on for a number of years is seeing the new products and noticing the new products from companies that maybe started out coming here with one product. Um, there's a company that, that uh, called Way Kitchen that they do uh, an infused vinegar um, and an infused a Vietnamese style infused mm-hmm. uh, shallot oil, mm-hmm. and they have they're launching a new product here that's a, a travel version of a Vietnamese coffee. So they are sourcing organic coffee huh. from small producers in Vietnam, and then have it packaged in such a way that it's you know it, the, the packaging is all. Um, is all sustainable and recyclable, but it you know is a way to sort of support those producers and then have a product that I think, at least for us, will do very well on the shelf. Yeah. Um, I when I got to my Airbnb, which is very nice, no offense to my hosts, um, there's no coffee machine, and as someone who is a hundred percent addicted to caffeine, uh, it was very hard for me to arrive there and be there the first morning and say, oh my god, I, I, I can't have coffee yet, I have to leave right, the house. Right. So something like that is a, you know, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, that's another aspect of this that's really cool. Um, last night we heard this guy, Clay, who's one of the award winners, um, he's an oil, a nut oil producer, but he's from a nut growing family of generations old. 
in South Georgia was trying to figure out how to keep the farm alive and came up this idea of making natural nut oil. So here's a guy who's creating a, a value-added product from an agricultural staple of our country, of the Deep South, pecans and uh, I think he does peanuts. They just, and they and, just started a Bene oil. I just tasted it. It's Bene. amazing. Uh, I haven't tasted that yet. But then you also have people like the chocolate makers and the coffee makers or coffee roasters who are connecting us with other parts of the world. I mean, you can't sustain yourself on chocolate. Well, you can go pretty far on chocolate. <laughs> I think you can. But chocolate is not, you know, it's not vegetables. It's not. Yeah. So, but it's, these people are craftspeople of cacao. And they're getting cacao from small producers who normally wouldn't be able to have a value-added product sale because they'd be beholden to some large, gigantic multinational who's contracted with them to buy it at the lowest possible market price. So they're helping these farmers and growers and shippers with their product, and then they're making it here. And these chocolates, by and large, are totally mind-blowing. I mean, I had this thing last night. I think it's called like the musket ball or the... That's not quite it. But it is a fruit... uh, It's a fruit-in-the-middle chocolate ball. Um, I don't know how they make it, whether it's got alcohol that dissolves the fruit or or what, but I did not know that it had a center like that. I put that in my mouth and let it slowly melt, and then you start getting this cherry sweet liqueur out of it and it's totally off the hook and I mean this stuff is hard to make it doesn't ship it doesn't keep um, and so that's another aspect of the Good Food Awards that I really appreciate is this sort of interconnected global network yeah um, well it looks like our friends from Each Peach Market in Washington D.C. have just come into the room hey you guys um, Katie, are you are you going to interview them? Is that what's happening next here? Are we transitioning? That yeah, that is that is correct. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. I mean, I think we you know we should say hi. These guys are also members of the Good Food Retailers Collaborative. Uh, attended the awards last night. We were talking about what makes the Mercantile so great, um, and and great products that we've seen down on the floor. So I don't know if you have anything you'd like to add. Well, we're just getting started, <laughs> um, tasting. But yeah, so far there's a lot of lot of great energy and. Just coming off seeing some of the winners last night and getting to sink our teeth into what, what the crafters are doing. It's, a, it's the reason we're Literally. here. It's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just saw some uh, buggitos, which are chocolate-covered bugs, which yeah. is very unique, and I'm pretty excited about so, uh, <laughs> where, where are those made? I'll have to go find uh, in them. California. Nice. Yeah. We're about to start bringing in a uh, sort of a, a, an energy bar product that comes in, in ball form. Um, it's made from cricket flour in Brooklyn. Um, we've just been working with them, and we're going to work on doing a couple of bug dinners and some other things about insect protein. Wow. The new wave. Wave of the future. Yeah, I think I'm going to stay at home. Bugs Sorry, Harry. <laughs> Bugs are coming up. Um, well, I think we'll, we'll let you transition into, into this, the following interview. Richard, um, thank you so much for, for joining me on this sort of on-the-fly episode of Feast Your Thanks Ears. Thanks for inviting me. Um, people should check out canyonmarket.com. Uh, you can follow Canyon Market at Canyon Market on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and if you want to see what Richard's up to personally, you can follow him at Richard Tarlov. At Rich Tarlov. Oh, Rich Tarlov. Sorry, I misread my own notes. On my Instagram, yeah. Great. Cool. Thanks.
Thanks for listening today to Feast Your Ears. Big thank you to Kristen Baylor, my producer here, and David Tattashore for engineering uh, and for taking the show on the road. The interview you just heard was recorded January 21st, 2017 at the Good Food Mercantile at Fort Mason Center in San Francisco. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes and Stitcher. Follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. 